Bibles, please, to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter number 24. So I was sitting there thinking about the message this morning and looking back over the course of my life and thinking of all of the different things that has happened since World War II began. I remember the discovery of the salt vaccine that uh, saved untold millions from polio. Those of you my age no doubt remember back in that dreadful day when it seemed like one classmate after another uh, was getting that awful disease. And uh, thank God uh, there was a cure discovered for it. I think about being able to put a man on the moon. Had somebody told me when I was in elementary school that that would happen, I would have told them they were crazy, that just impossible, that you just can't do that. But we did. I think about the discovery of DNA, for example, and uh, that, that... that is just mind-boggling where we are in forensic science today. And that list can go on and on and on, but the greatest day of my life was the day that I discovered Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I can tell you from experience that the Christian life is full of discoveries. And the best part about it is that The best is yet to come. We've always got that to look forward to, but until that day, we have to face many difficulties. Dying is easy. It's the living that's hard. That's where the difficulty is. And even the very best people, the very best Christians on earth, can have some of the very worst problems that people have to face. The good news is that our God is bigger than our problems, but but still we find ourselves at times worrying about things that we shouldn't worry about. I hope you took time to read uh, today's morning manna. The title of it was Disappearing Difficulties. And here at the at the Easter season of the year, whenever we think about the resurrection of our dear Savior and those women going there to the tomb and not really knowing what, you know, to expect, and they thought, how are we going to roll the stone away? How will, how will we do that? And they get there and it's gone. And what a wonderful reminder that is to us that so many times we worry about things that God has already solved. Problems that no longer exist. And we're sitting around worrying about it. And, you know, it's like God saying, hey, I already took care of that. It's gone. And yet we're worried. Now, I mention that because in our text this morning, we find the writer dealing with exactly the same thing, and it tells about two troubled, depressed disciples that are thinking the very worst. And Jesus comes along and gives them a dose of reality. 
they are on the road to Emmaus, and they make a delightful discovery. And that's the title of my message today, A Delightful Discovery. Now, looking back at last week, there was a delightful declaration. You remember when they discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead there in in, in Matthew 28 and, and verse 6 and verse 7, they simply said, He is risen. But here in, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 34, notice there's a little bit of difference because it says the Lord is risen, but notice it says indeed. There's no question about it. He is risen indeed. Thinking about this story, and we don't have time to read every verse related to it, but we'll go through it here in just a bit. And as we think about it, it is another reminder of the fact that God cares about people. Three days earlier, Jesus had been crucified and buried. Now keep in mind, He's already risen from the grave, but... But these two disciples are not really aware of that. They don't know what is going on. And at this point, they feel like all of their dreams have been dashed to pieces, that life is futile, and even though they've received the report, you know, about the tomb being empty, they suppose, well, you know, somebody come in and stole the body. It seems that the last thing that they are thinking is the first thing they should have thought about. That the Lord is risen indeed. So they're walking along together and discussing things. And verse 14 says, And they, they talked together of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and, and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all of the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all of this... Today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were, uh, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found no body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to 
entered into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened and uh, opened to us the scriptures? And they arose with the same uh, the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven together, and with them uh, and, and them that were with them, saying, "The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon." Now, listen carefully. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. I want you this morning to try to put yourself in their sandals as it were. Try to imagine what it is like to have your greatest dreams all destroyed in a moment of time. Try to think about being in a fearful situation to where you are unsure of the future. It seems that everything has gone wrong and and there's nothing that you can depend upon. And that's where they are when Jesus comes on the scene. And it's so very important that we, that we understand this story because it helps us deal with our disappointments and defeat our depression. And that's what we see here. Notice their depression. Verse 17, notice the word, it says they were sad. Have you ever thought about how you would describe the world in a word? Just one word, that's... That's all you can use, just one word. I, I've thought about that a lot, and if I had to describe the world in a word, it would be sinful. But what if you wanted to describe the world in two words? Well, I would say that it is, it is sinful and sorrowful. Sinful, sorrowful. Because sorrow always follows sin, always. No one ever prospers with sin. Those two things go together. So you can say that the world is bad and it's sad. Man's depravity leads to depression. And depression can be something that is a problem for sinners or for saints. These men were disciples of Christ. Now, I know some of you, your mind is racing and you're saying to yourself, if they were really disciples of Christ, how is it that they did not recognize the Lord? Or remember, this is the risen Lord. He's the same, but He's different now. 
You remember even Thomas doubted and the Lord said, Here, Thomas, stick your hand in my side and see if it's not me. I'm flesh and blood. I mean, it's me. These men are blinded by their tears and overwhelmed by their fears and the Lord is walking with them and they do not even acknowledge that. They're not even aware of the fact that He is there. They're disciples, but they're sad. They're disciples, but they are depressed. And you know, that's something that every single one of us has to deal with because in this troubled world, there are going to be things that disappoint us, things that overwhelm us, and we're going to find ourselves, you know, in those times of depression. Those times when we're drained of our energy and our joy seems to take wings and fly away, and we're depressed and we are confused. And we all have those difficult days, just as Job says, man that's born of a woman is a few days in full of trouble. He didn't say there will be a little bit of trouble, it'll be full of trouble. That's why I said that dying is easy, it's the living that's really hard. It's a common problem, but it, listen, it's a serious problem if it's prolonged. It, because it's like quicksand. It'll just suck you under. You, you'll finally reach a point that you can't get yourself out. You know, you know, sometimes we realize we wake up one morning and it's a blue Monday. Yeah, yeah, just one of those days we can't put our finger on it, you know, and we're like the psalmist whenever he said, Oh, my soul, why art thou cast down? And, you know, we just can't really figure it out why we feel that way, but it's just a lousy day. Nothing's gone wrong. It's just a lousy day. We don't feel good. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, some problem crops up and all of a sudden we find something, you know, to be depressed about. And we take that and we run with it. And you know, there's some, some days that we can just shake that off, you know. We uh, remind ourselves of a certain verse in the Bible and we begin to reflect on that. Or, or it might be we sing a song. I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I can't hardly drive a car without singing a song. I just, we go along and I'm off on one and, you know, I'll see something that'll remind me of a song and Bab will say, I knew you was going to, I knew, I knew that's what you was going to say. And some days, you know, singing a song or thinking of a verse might get you out of it and all of a sudden you start feeling better. But wow, then there are those days where it seems like nothing, nothing helps. And I'm telling you, listen, you don't need to go into a state of panic because you're depressed, but you need to get out of it as quick as you can because it can become a serious problem. So here they are walking down the road to Emmaus about six miles, if my memory serves me right, something like that. And all of a sudden the Lord, whom they do not recognize, is walking with them. So we see what the problem is now, but I want you to notice the diagnosis, and it's found in verse number 25, because here he tells us that unbelief was at the root of their problem. He said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, they had just acknowledged the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that He was a prophet sent from God, and now notice that He's rebuking them because they have not believed what the 
prophets had proclaimed. Even what he himself had promised. And so he rebukes them because of their unbelief. But when you look at all of these verses together, there are two factors that that also stand out. The first one is the fact that these men, I believe, were irritated. Things were not going right. This is not the way, you know, they had in their mind that it ought to be. And they're upset about that. And when we get upset about things, you know, sometimes we don't think straight. We don't reason right. And I think that's what's happened here. They've gone from disappointment to distress to despair to doubt to depression. And when you look at verse 22, 23, and 24, it tells the story because although what they say is true, notice the implication there is that things are not good. This is what happened. They falsely accused Christ and they took Him and they crucified Him and they buried Him. All of these things are true. But listen, they're looking at as though that is some kind of an awful, terrible, horrible tragedy. Something out of which nothing good can ever come. So they're looking at the facts, but they are irritated because things are not going right. And Cliffus, we saw the empty tomb... But he did not think about it in the context of this meaning victory. As far as he was concerned, that's just more bad news. Yeah, the tomb is empty, but yeah, they probably stole his body. So he can't see anything but the bad. And they're irritated about that. And sometimes that's what happens to us. We get bitter at life because things are not happening the way that we think they should. But then there's another problem here. Not only are they irritated, but they're ignorant. And I don't mean they're ignorant men, but I mean they are ignorant of certain things that they ought to have been aware of. And there in verse number 25, notice he said to them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. In other words, they had failed to consider God's promises. And remember, Jesus Himself had foretold the resurrection. He laid it out for them. He told them that He would be hated. He told them He would be persecuted, despised, that He would be crucified and buried. Now, remember whenever He announced that news to the disciples? Told them, I'm going to Jerusalem and all of this is going to happen. And, you know, they're going to crucify me and bury me, but I'll rise on the third day. It's like Peter went brain dead and he quit listening and thinking, and he literally laid hands on the Lord and took him and said, Not so. We are not going to let this happen. <laughs> he better thank God it did happen. But you see, he stopped, he stopped thinking, he stopped reasoning when he heard the word crucify. They're going to crucify me. And he should have been listening when the Lord said, I'll be raised again on the third day. So he's lost sight of the promises that God has given. And listen, a lot of folks are depressed simply because their expectations are not based upon the facts. They're not based upon the Word of God. 
and a proper understanding of the Scriptures would make life a whole lot better for all of us. It would clear up all of this confusion. It would make it possible for us to be at peace in a troubled world. And if God's Word is true, and it is, there's absolutely no reason for us to not have peace because because He gives us a promise for every problem. You'll never have a problem in your life, but what there's not a promise in the Bible to help you through it. So this is the diagnosis. These people are having problems when it comes to the matter of belief because they are irritated and they are ignorant of the promises that God has given. I'm glad the story doesn't end there. I'm glad my story didn't end before I made that glorious discovery. While we were singing, without Him, I could do nothing. And uh, I'm very familiar with that song because it was written in the same year back when I trusted Christ as my Savior. And, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, that song was one of the songs they had sang that day for, for the invitation. One of the members of our church was a missionary to Japan, and he often sang solos. Uh, uh, and that was one of the songs that he that he sang. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I would still be enslaved. I'm so thankful that I can look back to a time and a place in my life where I discovered Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that He delivered me. The story doesn't end there in a state of confusion with the disciples being depressed. But it goes on. And notice, the Lord does three things to deliver them. First of all, He encouraged them to think. He started by asking them questions. He didn't do that for His benefit I mean, he knows exactly what happened. He's been on the cross. He's been in the tomb. He was there whenever he walked out of the tomb that day. So this isn't for his benefit. He knows all of the answers, but he is trying to make them think. Look at verse number 18, because at the beginning, there seemed to be a bit of rudeness on their part. Listen carefully to the way this is worded. And one of them, whose name was Caiaphas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? That comes across as rudeness to me, because it's kind of like he's saying, Don't tell me you don't know what's happened. You know, that's the attitude of hurting people. It's typical of people whenever, you know, that when they've been hurt, when they've been disappointed, when they're depressed, they start snapping at other people. That's why we often say hurt people hurt people. And that's what's going on. But the wonderful thing is Jesus was not deterred by their rudeness. You know, he could have said, look, if you're going to have that kind of a stinking attitude, I'm out of here. You deal with it by yourself, buddy. But he didn't do that. 
And it's a great lesson for those of you that would, you know, be used to the Lord in counseling or helping other people. And that is we need to learn to be patient and loving and kind regardless of what they do. And so the Lord is right there and... Um, and notice, he explained the truth. He encouraged him to think, and now he explains the truth. I mean, like any good physician, Jesus didn't just deal with the problem. He applied the healing balm, and that was what? The Word of God. He opened unto them the Scriptures, and this is so wonderful. Whenever you look at it, verse 27, the beginning of Moses, and all of the prophets... That's one of the reasons why we often say that all of the Old Testament has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a picture book, if you please. It's a record of Him. And so He began way back there with Moses. He didn't start in the New Testament. He started way back there with Moses and took them. Wouldn't it have been great to have been walking at His side that day and listening to that message? Wow, I mean... to. To, to hear all of the things that he said, things that, some things that probably I haven't even thought about yet. You know, and I tried to go through the Old Testament and look at all of the different types of Christ. I have books written on the subject. I have note after note after note compiled that I've made on that subject of all of the shadows and types of the Old Testament, but that wouldn't be anything like actually listening to him deal with the subject. So he is explaining to them the truth. You, you might be surprised how different your life would be if you would make a habit of turning to the Word of God for comfort and direction and, and strength in your time of need. We cannot survive and thrive as Christians without a regular diet of God's Word. So, he encouraged them to think. Stop being so irritated. Start thinking. He explained the truth, but then notice verse number 31. He expected them to trust. It says, and their eyes were open, and they knew him. Now, Now get this, and he vanished. Or they finally recognized him for who he was. And uh, notice, by the way, how did they recognize him? Was it his concern that he was demonstrating? You know, maybe it was his words. Maybe that's what did it. Maybe, maybe it was his prayer. I don't know. Maybe it was the wounds in his hands. I don't know. All I know is they were changed as a result of it. And and as they are there together, immediately he vanished from their sight. And he's left them with it. They trusted in the fact that although he was gone, he was actually still with them. And that's what we need to see. Remember, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but, but he ascended back to heaven, right? Amen. But yet he is still present within the heart of every believer. 
and promised He would never leave us nor forsake us. Their hope was renewed. Their spirits were lifted. They were encouraged and they got their life back on track as a result of it. Now remember, at first, they thought there's no solution to this problem. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you say to yourself, Boy, there's no solution to this. I mean, everything seems hopeless. It might have to do with domestic issues or health issues or or any area of your life. But you find yourself in what appears to be a hopeless situation. And let me tell you, your answer is their answer. Him. Your answer is their answer. It's Him. Do you know Him? Because until you come to know Him, let me tell you, you don't stand a chance in this world. You'll never be able to live the life that God intended until you know Him. You'll never have any hope for eternity until you know Him as your Savior. But even after you come to know Christ as your Savior, there are going to be times of great difficulty. Boy, if we... we, Listen... I, I just call one by one, every Christian, come up here. Would you just walk up here, come across, just very briefly, quickly, 10 or 15 seconds, just tell some of the things that's gone wrong, the painful things you've experienced. And we could all do that, couldn't we? Because we've all faced those situations in our life. So... I'm not standing here telling you that by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that it's going to solve all of your problems and you're never going to hurt again, that you'll never have any problem. No, I'm not telling you that. In fact, I'll tell you this. If you get serious about serving God, you'll find that there are more problems than you ever thought existed. you have problems you didn't have before. But you have something better than your problem. You'll have the Lord on your side to be there in your time of need. You know, if that describes you this morning, you're up against it and you don't know where to turn and what to do. Just remember that wherever you are in life, He is there. He's there with you in that. Two questions, and I'm through, because in the light of all of this, the first one is, have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Look, you don't need to know anything else about religion or the Bible or the world or current affairs or anything else. The only thing that ought to matter to you this morning is, do I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Do I know that if I died today that I'd go to be with the Lord? Because you've got a problem a whole lot worse than depression or bankruptcy or divorce or anything else. You have a problem for all eternity being tormented in a lake of fire without Christ. Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Secondly, secondly, are you trusting Christ? You know, it's one thing to trust Him as our Lord and Savior. It's another thing to trust Him day by day in our life. And that's what the Bible was talking about. when it said that the just shall live by faith. And you see, God has stipulated that that's the condition for us to receive His help. 
The Bible says, for without faith it is what? Impossible to, to please God. But that sounds so simple. Please, when you get home, read the morning devotion. It deals with that very thing. That's so simple. Surely there's got to be more to it than that. Surely I need, to, I need some long-term counseling. Surely I need a miracle worker to lay hands on me and chase the demons out. You know, we've got this long list of things that we think that need to be done in order to solve our problem. And faith, just believe, that sounds too simplistic, too childlike. Surely it'll take more than that. No, no, no. That's the key to everything in the Christian's life. Living by faith. In Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. That's what He expects. That's what He deserves. Are you trusting Him day by day? Let me tell you one thing about it. He's never, listen, He's never disappointed anyone that actually trusted Him. And He won't disappoint you either. Maybe you came here today and you just thought, when you pulled in the parking lot, you thought, wow, this is a waste of time. It's not going to do any good. My world is falling apart. And I want you to know you can leave here today with hope and peace and joy because of the difference that Jesus Christ makes in a person's life. Let's stand together. Father, How we thank you, Lord, for the exceeding great and precious promises that you've given in your word. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony of the scriptures that assure us not only of your concern, not only of your great love, but also of your mighty power. That you're able to defeat every enemy, conquer every problem, answer every question, and meet every need. And help us, Heavenly Father, to stop depending upon ourselves and stop looking to others for the solution and to turn to you in simple, childlike faith. There are some here today, Lord, that need to turn to you for salvation. And, and there are some Christian people today that, that need to learn to depend upon you day after day after day that their faith might be increased and built up and strengthened as a result of this message today. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen. And now we're going to stand together as we sing, if God's speaking to your heart about anything whatsoever, or even if you just want to come and spend some time in prayer, whatever it is, let God have His way. And especially if you've never been saved, Would you come this morning, let us take the Bible and show you how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a child of God while we sing together. Think about it. His blood, His blood was shed for you and for me. He has already paid the sin debt that is against you.
He's already prepared the way to heaven for you. While we sing. on singing while these pray. With many conflict, many doubts, there's fighting and fear. heads together and Christians praying as the musicians play softly and if you're here and and if the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heartstrings it might be that you need to follow the Lord in baptism it might be that you need to confess some sin in your life it it might be a heavy burden that has nothing to do with your behavior but something that's deeply troubling to your heart It might be that God is speaking to you about this being your church home. Whatever it is, don't leave here till you've done business with God. Don't ignore His Spirit and His Word. Brother Rick Morris, would you lead us in prayer, please?